Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope that the message today would inspire and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. All right, give the Lord a praise offering, amen? Amen. Well, God is good all the time. Man, you guys look good today. Y'all must have had some makeovers over the weekend or something. I don't know. Hey, uh, I'm glad to be back. Last week I was gone. We had our 30-year anniversary. Uh, Yes, you can praise the Lord for that. The fact that my wife still loves me is a miracle every day. And so God is good. Uh, <clears throat> this morning, Pastor Thomas is gone. You know, sickness is getting everywhere. And, uh, and Pastor Emma, she's gotten over her back issues quite a bit, but she got COVID. And so Pastor Thomas is in Uvalde today. Uh, but we were going to announce, I decided to go ahead and announce that uh, most recently our church board uh, agreed to uh, start a campus in Albuquerque. And so we're going to have a crossroads in Albuquerque. Pastor Thomas is going to be leading that. That's going to be very exciting. Yeah, in fact, right now there's about 10 or 15 people online in Albuquerque right now. And so we're excited to work with you guys. They've been meeting with Pastor Thomas already for an online Bible study. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be good. And I'm very excited about that. Don't forget also February 26th, the Leon Springs campus is having a service. It's a Saturday at 5. We need everybody to come if you can. It's a closed service, and so it's not open to the public yet, but you're not public. You're friends, right? So we want you to be there to help us have a good day and then january 16th which is next sunday right after church we're going to be meeting with those that want to be part of the divine uh launch team and so i'm actually meeting tomorrow with a contractor looking at the building out there so if you want to be part of that even if you just want to pray then we want to encourage you to stay next week uh, for that meeting all right praise the lord all right let's get into the word of god this morning john chapter 8 john chapter 8 and in John chapter 8, verse 2, we have the, the encounter with Jesus and a woman caught in adultery. So let's read together. At dawn, everybody say dawn. You know, God gives us the day. He gives us the week. He gives us months. He gives us years. If you look at nature and how everything cycles around, he is always doing something new. Amen. Always doing something new. And so whenever you begin to think about dawn, so at dawn, Jesus is going out. It's a reminder he's doing something new. He's always, always doing something new in your life. Amen. You may not be able to see it. At dawn time, it's not real bright, but God is working. And so there's always something new happening. Even if everything's been good, God's doing something new that's better. If things have been bad, hold on. God is not done yet. All right. God is always doing something good. So at dawn, Jesus appeared. We can praise the Lord for that. I'll be all right. Y'all just praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. 
In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. You can almost hear me, such women with disgust. Now, what do you say? They were accusing him. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. And so they knew Christ by this point. They did not believe, talking about the religious leaders, they didn't believe he was really the Messiah, didn't really believe he was God. And so they wanted to prove that to the people, and they thought, well, we know he's going to let this woman off, and so if we confront him and he has to publicly say, no, you don't have to worry about the law, then that will prove to everybody that this man really is not from God. And so that was the trap they were trying to lay. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up, and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. He's too smart, isn't he? Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground, just waiting to see what happened. You know, some of these scenes, I would love to be there, right? Knowing what we know, just watching people. What are you going to do now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, that's just me. So verse 9 says, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, because the older folks are wiser. They understand. They know. When you're young, you think you got it all together. You got a little bit of arrogance in you. But when you get a little bit older, you got to start figuring life out. Can I get an amen from all the older folks? There's more of you out here. You just don't want to admit it, right? You're saying, I'm still 29. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. So all the older ones left first. And the woman was standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one. She said, then neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. What a beautiful moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, and we pray that you would just help us open our hearts and our minds to what you want us to hear. And anything that's not of me, Lord, just let it dissipate in the air. And Lord, even what I don't say, that people need to hear today. You speak in their inmost place. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think about this woman. She's been caught in adultery. I don't know where the man is. He's not there. The, the law was very clear that if they were caught in adultery, then the man and the woman both should be put to death. But where's he? We don't know. And, and so they, they don't deal with her quietly. If you remember, we talked about Mary and Joseph and Mary uh, turning up to be expecting people suspected adultery. But Joseph said was a righteous man and was going to divorce her quietly, privately, kindly. But this woman, she is caught in adultery, and so the religious leaders and the teachers, they bring her out, and it says they make her stand in front of everybody. So the religious leaders carried a lot of weight, and, and people were up early in the morning. And so don't think it was just a few people. There was a crowd there. Jesus was there, and now this woman is standing there in the front of everybody. She is the object of scorn. Everybody has their eyes on her. They're looking down their nose at her, acting as if she is nothing. And the religious leaders are making a spectacle out of her. Have you ever had somebody that likes to make sure everybody knows 
where you've messed up. They, they just seem to take some kind of joy in, in, in not just talking to you privately and kindly, but, but saying it out loud where everybody can hear it and really making a spectacle of the moment. They, they don't just talk to you privately, but they email you and they copy in the whole office, even people that don't know your name. Everybody knows what you did now. They, they, they get on Facebook and they try to be real sneaky and they write a, a long post and they don't mention your name, but everybody knows, Right? We, we live in a culture that enjoys rubbing it in your face. We, we, we live in a culture where people want to call you out and they want to look at what you've done and they want to tell the whole world what you've done and run you down and denigrate you and demean you. And, and so here you have this woman there and we have been there, maybe not with the same gravitas as being in a religious moment and being caught in adultery, but we've all been there where somebody has taken what we've done, whether it was sinful or just a mistake or just not what they wanted, and they just begin to lambast us to everybody else. Sometimes it's public and everybody hears about it, everybody sees it. It goes through the grapevine. Sometimes it's private, but the way they do it just makes you feel so small. But Jesus gave compassion. And so for a moment, I just want you to see the contrast between how the world does it and how God does it. The world loves to be judgmental. The world loves to point out everything that you've done wrong. And, and now we live in a world where right is wrong and wrong is right. And so they're pointing out what is wrong that could be right. And you never should, and everybody's trying to make a fool out of you. And, and people, nobody wants to take responsibility for what they've done. So they want to blame you. They want to put everything on you. They want to make you the bad guy, the scapegoat. And so this is going on all the time. It's on social media. It's at family reunions. It's in the house. It's in the church and people are blaming each other. All kinds of stuff. We live in a culture of condemnation. And if you don't believe what I believe, if you don't think what I think, then somehow you're horrible and there is hatred and, and all the emotion and the angst and the anger that come up with that. And it is a culture of condemnation. But God doesn't do it that way. God is a God of grace. He's a God of mercy, a God of compassion. Amen. And, and so I, I want you to know if you have ever been in that place and somebody has done this to you, whether it has been in public, whether it has been in private, whether it was somebody you don't even really know or it was your own mama, anytime somebody is using what you have done wrong, whether it's sinful or just a mistake to make you feel less than, to make you feel small, to denigrate you, demean you, it is not from God. Because God gives compassion. Amen. Aren't you glad we have a God who is compassionate? Amen. Who doesn't give us what we deserve. Amen. You praise the Lord for that. I'm so grateful when I look, I don't know about you, but when I look at my life, there's a long list of stuff I don't want nobody to know about. And any one of them could have sent me to hell, but God has been gracious. And he has blessed me anyway. So the religious leaders, they show up and they're saying to Jesus, what about the law? What about the law? Turn to somebody and say, what about the law? So here you have Jesus, and, and they don't realize it, but they're basically going to God and saying, what do you think about the law you wrote? How you feel about that law you gave? Now, they don't know what they're doing, but that's what they're doing. And, and so I want to I talk about the law for just a minute. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. Everybody say, the law. 
Because it's the law that God wrote, that God gave, that said they should be dead. The religious leaders were not wrong. They were quoting back to Jesus the law. It didn't necessarily say stoning, but in some places it did. But here in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7, the Apostle Paul is writing. He says, now, if the ministry that brought death, everybody say death. The ministry that brings death. Those are just two strange words to put together. The ministry that brings death. And so he explains it. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone. What's he talking about? Talking about the law, the Ten Commandments in particular. And so he's saying the Ten Commandments is a ministry of God, but it brings death. It brings absolute death. But he says, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily on the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was. If you remember when Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, his face was shining with the radiance of God, so bright they couldn't even look at him. And so he's saying that ministry that radiated the face of Moses so bright that nobody could look on him is full of glory, but it leads to death. In verse 9, it says, if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? And so here we have the Apostle Paul trying to explain to us the law and and what it is. The law is glorious because as Paul said, I wouldn't know what sin was if I didn't have the law. So the law helps me know what sin is. The law is God saying, this is the path. If you walk this way, if you talk this way, if you think this way, it will lead you into communion with me, but it will also lead you into the abundant life that I have planned for you. Amen. And so the law is good. The law is how I know. It's how I know I should be. It's not how I I know how I should think, how I should speak, how my attitude should be. All of that is wrapped up in the law. It says, love the Lord God with all your heart. All that's way back in the Old Testament. And it says, love your neighbor as yourself. It is teaching me how to live. It is glorious because without that, I'm blind. And I would be a a, a victim to all the different theories, all the different doctrines, all the different teachings that are coming across this world saying, well, here's how you find good life. Go out and party or go out and make a lot of money or go out and do this. And I would be blindly led away. But because I have the word of God, because I have the law, I know the path. It is glorious. But if all I have is the law, then it just reminds me over and over again, I'm not perfect. It reminds me over and over again how many times I fail. 
It reminds me that I still get mad. I still cheat. I still lie. I still get jealous. I, I, I still run ramshot over somebody because of my selfishness. I still do all these things. Sometimes I don't love God with all my heart. Sometimes I don't love my neighbors myself. Sometimes, and, and if all I have is the law, I just get beat down. I messed up again, again, again. And it's like standing there and everybody looking at me and it's condemnation. This is why it's the ministry that brings death. Glorious, but if all you have is the law, there's death. But the scripture says that, that there is one that is more glorious, and it is the ministry of the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is the manifestation of God who says, I will come into the sinner's heart and have home with him and I will abide with him. The scripture says that God the Father cannot even look at sin. He can't even set his eyes on sin. But then Jesus became compassionate and he became the God with us and then the Holy Spirit becomes the God in us. So as filthy as I am compared to the purity of God, God doesn't disown me but he comes and lives in me. Amen. Compassion. Not giving me what I deserve. The scripture here says that it was at dawn, and we talked about that, but it reminds me of this this other scripture in Lamentations chapter 3. You know, we, we, we don't know anything about this woman. Was this the first time she'd messed up? Was she, was she righteous all of her life? Was she like David who was righteous all of his life and then had this one moment? Was she, was she a sinner? Was she doing this all the time? We don't know. And, and I was praying about this. Lord, why, why don't we know? Why don't we understand anymore? Why didn't the Spirit give us anymore? And I believe the Holy Spirit didn't give us anymore because it doesn't matter. It's God saying, I give mercy to everybody, no matter what you've done. You can be the worst sinner or you can be the most righteous. It doesn't matter. You're receiving mercy and I'm pouring it out like you don't even understand. Pouring it out when you are the most sinful. Pouring it out in your worst moment. When you are doing your absolute worst, God is still giving mercy. Amen? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Whatever you, whoever you are in here, no matter what you've done, God has already, you may not even say, oh, I don't even believe in God. You don't have to believe in God. You've already gotten mercy. Already. <laughs> Lamentations 3. I got off on a tangent. Pardon me. Don't count that against my time. Verse 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering. The bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Every morning. In another place it says, As surely as the sun rises, our God will appear. If you're ever wondering, will God forgive you? Think about this. You didn't worry if the sun would come up today. As surely as the sun will come up, he will forgive. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that you are a sinner and you give it to God, that he is faithful to forgive. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Amen? And and so in this moment with Jesus and this woman, you have the combination of the law, which says when you disobey the law, you deserve death. And then you have Christ giving compassion. And in this moment, I want to suggest to you, we have the entire story of Scripture. You have God laying down a law. He says to Adam and Eve, there is a tree in the garden. Do not eat of the tree. And if you eat of the tree, you shall surely what? Die. And then when they ate of the tree, what did God do? It says that he took an animal and sacrificed it and covered them with skins, foreshadowing the blood of Jesus Christ. And they didn't die physically. Sin entered into them, but God stayed with them. When Cain, their oldest son, killed Abel, the scripture says that God remembered Adam and Eve and they gave birth to another son. And so even though they had done everything wrong, they got compassion. When the human race was at its worst, been invaded by cosmic powers, and it says every inclination of every heart was bent toward evil, God could have destroyed everybody, but instead he had compassion on the human race, and he chose Noah, and he said, Noah, bring your family into the boat, and he rescued them, and so he did not destroy everything. He showed compassion. When the Israelites came and they were enslaved in Egypt, they began to worship the Egyptian gods, and they were worshiping gold and silver and cows and doing all kinds of detestable things, but God was compassionate, and he raised up Moses and brought him out of the water into Pharaoh's house and said, you will be the redeemer of Israel. When Israel continue to rebel against God. God raised up Deborah and God raised up Samson and there were judges and there were prophets and there were priests and there were kings over and over again. When he could have said, I'm done with you, he said, I will rescue you again. I will not hold it against you again. I will forgive. I will be compassionate. And then when everything comes to the apex, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life. Compassion. Compassion. This word compassion in the Hebrew, it means womb, the womb. Everybody say womb. Now, I want you to know, and I want to be upfront with you, I've never been pregnant, so I'm not speaking from experience. But I have seen women who are expecting. I have seen the grimace on their face. I have watched as they have. I have seen them have a a whiff of a smell that nobody else. I don't know what it is about being pregnant. You get bionic smell, but suddenly they smell something and get nauseous in the moment and, and everything is bad. Being pregnant makes you miserable. We got one honest woman in this place. I mean, you swell up, your ankles are huge, you can't walk, your back hurts, you can't roll over, your stomach hurts, the baby's getting up under your ribs, pushing and pulling, and everything is miserable, you want to throw up, you can't, and you're just ready for it to get out, and all the while, you're so happy. I can't wait, it's just wonderful. The word compassion means womb. If you really dig into the meaning, it means to be in love with the fetus in the womb. 
Now, I believe that God has given us a little window into his heart, the heart of compassion. The heart of compassion could be seen in the heart of an expecting mother. Because when all this misery is going on and all this pain and agony and fatigue and nausea and all that's going on, all the mom can think about is I can't wait. It's going to be so wonderful. So good. And the scripture compares the Christian life to this and talks about the the birth pains. But once you have the baby, you forget about all the rest. So they say. Because you you are so enthralled when you look at that child that that you already know as a mom because you've been bonded for all that time. When you look at that child and eye to eye and you're holding that baby, the joy is off the charts. And all you can think about, this is what I wanted to hold this baby, to have this baby. And you start dreaming for the baby. And what's he going to be like? And what's she going to do? And you have this joy of being a mom. And so all of the misery means nothing. Because you just couldn't wait. And so God is saying to us, like a baby in a mother's womb is underdeveloped. And the process of developing causes the mom pain and discomfort. So it is with the children of God in the womb of God, continually in the stage of development. And when we mess up, when we sin, we cause discomfort. We hurt the name of God. We hurt the heart of God. We push, we pull. The scripture says when we become lukewarm, he wants to spew us out of his mouth. But he sees us like the baby. And he knows they haven't quite got there yet. But when they do... When that moment comes and they arrive in heaven and I have my child in my arms, I'm going to forget about all that other stuff. Because all I'm working for is that moment when they walk into the kingdom of heaven. And and, and we know the song, what a day that shall be. Amen. And and so God is saying, when I look at you and your sin and people want to rub it in your face and they want to take what you've done and condemn you and make you feel like you're nobody, whether it's your mama, your daddy, a preacher, a priest, whoever it was, God is saying, I see you differently. You're still in the stage of development. And so I am patient with you. And so the pain is worth it because I want to keep you feeding out of my body and keep my blood flowing into you and keep my spirit into you so you can develop and I'm waiting for that day I'm waiting for that day and so I God is able to look at us and have all this compassion we look at it and say well I should have been better I should have done better they should have done better and we can become so judgmental if we get stuck in the law but you were not born of the law you were born of the spirit amen Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. And Jesus finally says to the woman, go and sin no more. I want you to notice here, he doesn't throw the law away, but it's been peppered in compassion. He said, the standard's still the same. Be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. Be holy as he is holy. 
And so the standard's still the same, but now there's an understanding. The law is just to help me remember that I need a savior. It, 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 the law is there to help me understand I'm not perfect, so I need God. I need Christ. I need his sacrifice, and I need his Holy Spirit to develop. It's a reminder that I'm not God, and he is, and I need him. But when he comes to me, he is patient and compassionate. I wonder how this affected this lady. I don't think she left angry. I think she left incredibly grateful. And my guess is she became a devout follower of this man named Jesus. How does God bring us to himself? With compassion. While you were yet sinners, he died for you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, so many times, even as Christians, we can get on our high horse and start using the scripture to beat people over the head and tell them everything they're doing wrong. And what we need to understand is God is saying, I have loved you. Now you love your neighbor as I have loved you. And so as I've had compassion for you, you need to have compassion for your neighbor. Amen. And you need to understand they're still in the development age. They're still getting their ears. They're still getting their hands. How many times have I thought to myself, these people won't listen to me. And God is saying their ears haven't developed yet. And I said, well, they should have been already. And then he says, you remember how long it took for you to get ears? I'm not casting the first stone. Love your neighbors. I have loved you. Be compassionate. Be forgiving. Love yourself as he has loved you. Remember, you are still developing. So quit beating yourself up. Quit being gripped with guilt. Quit letting voices in your head tell you that you're not any good, that you should have been better by now. But just remember that God is gracious and he is compassionate. Amen. Stand up and let me pray for you. Just bow your head with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we cannot come close to giving things in a way that matches that which we need to be thankful for. The forgiveness, the mercy, the compassion that you have on us, it almost just slaps us in the face. It, it, it is so unexpected and yet so refreshing. Church today, if you have been under a spirit of condemnation, in the name of Jesus Christ, we declare your freedom. You are not what they said you were. You are a child of God still developing, 
Still working. Nobody else knows how hard you're trying or not trying. They have no right to speak to you and declare you anything. Don't let what they say make you mad or crush your spirit. But live under grace. And church, in the same way as you have received, now fully give. There are people in your life that you have been holding a grudge against. And you've been angry with them for what they have done. You might have even held it over their head in some way. But as you have freely received, now freely give. You release the grudge right now. In Jesus' name, just release it. And if you have a voice in your head constantly telling you everything you've done wrong, reminding you of every place you're not perfect, I want to bind that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to loose into your spirit the wonders of grace. That reminds us that we don't have to come to him clean, but he washes us as we come. Thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Heavenly Father, do the work that you want to do in every heart tonight. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your great love. Let it move us to be more like you. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise offer this morning. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.